Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of 1 Samuel, chapter 7, so grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. Let me read you something. I thought this was kind of interesting. True. You can Google this. In 1818, Ignaz, I think you pronounce his name, Philip Semowiz. It's a Hungarian name. Semowiz. Ignaz Philip Semowiz was born into a world of dying women. The finest hospitals lost one out of six mothers to the scourge of childbed fever. A doctor's daily routine began in the dissecting room where he performed autopsies. From there, he made his way to the hospital to examine expectant mothers without ever pausing to wash his hands. Dr. Semmelweis was the first man in history to associate such examinations with the resultant infection and death. His own practice was to wash with a chlorine solution, and after 11 years and the delivery of 8,537 babies, he lost only 184 mothers. He spent the vigor of his life lecturing and debating with his colleagues once he argued proprio fever is caused by decomposed material conveyed to a wound. I have shown how it can be prevented. I have proven all that I have said, but while we talk, 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 gentlemen, women are dying. I'm not asking anything world-shaking. I'm asking you to only wash. For God's sakes, wash your hands. But virtually no one believed him. Doctors and midwives have been delivering babies for thousands of years without washing, and no outspoken Hungarian was going to change them now. Semoese died insane at an insane asylum at the age of 47, his wash basins discarded, his colleagues laughing in his face, and the death rattle of thousands women of women ringing in his ears. As I read that in First Sam, as I read that story, I thought of First Samuel chapter seven, and I want to say to you, for God's sakes, wash your hearts. The need of the hour. I believe, is revival in the church. And revival, listen, doesn't begin with powerful preaching. Revival doesn't begin with huge crowds of Christian people. Revival doesn't begin in Brownsville, Florida, with laughing in the spirit. Revival doesn't begin with people speaking in tongues. Revival doesn't begin with a week-long service of guest preachers. True revival begins with a clean heart. 
I'm going to ask you to take your pen and your pad and write down three components of true revival of which we'll talk about tonight. Three components of true revival of which we'll talk about tonight. Very easy night. Number one, clean up. We'll find that in verses one through six. Number two, look up. We'll find that in verse seven through 11. And then finally, set up in verses 12 through 17. Really easy tonight. Clean up. Look up and set up three components of a true revival. I've titled this sermon, <laughs> The Cleansing at Mizpah. Mizpah, what is that? We'll tell you. First Samuel chapter 7, saints, let's read a few verses. I don't know where I'll stop. I don't know what I'm doing tonight. I'm just hanging out. First Samuel chapter, I'm just happy to be here. Uh, first, I guess I'm by myself, two people, huh? I'm, I'm happy to be here. <laughs> first Samuel chapter seven, look at verse one. If you're looking at verse one, say amen. amen. Then the men of Kirjath Jerim came and took the ark of the Lord and brought it into the house of Abinadad on the hill and consecrated Eleazar, his son, to keep the ark of the Lord. And so it was that the ark remained in Kirjath-Jerim a long time. It was there 20 years. And all the house of Israel lamented after the Lord. Underline that. And then Samuel spoke to all the house of Israel saying, If you return to the Lord with what? All your heart, then put away the foreign gods and the asterisks from among you and prepare your heart for the Lord and serve him only. And he will deliver you from the hand of the Philistines. And so the children of Israel put away the Baals and the Asherahs and served the Lord only. Revival. And Samuel said, gather all of Israel to Mizbah, and I will pray to the Lord for you. Let's read some more. So they gathered together. We're actually reading the first two points of our outline. So they gathered together at Mizbah, drew water, poured it out before the Lord, and they fasted that day and said there, we have sinned against the Lord, and Samuel judged the children of Israel at Mizpah. And when the Philistines heard that the children of Israel had gathered together at Mizpah, the Lord of the Philistines went up against Israel. And when the children of Israel heard it, they were what? Afraid of the Philistines. And so the children of Israel said to Samuel, this time, do not cease to cry out to the Lord for us, that he may save us from the hand of the Philistines. And Samuel took a suckling baby lamb and offered it as a whole burnt offering to the Lord. And then Samuel cried out to the Lord for Israel, and the Lord answered him. Now as Samuel was offering up the burnt offerings, the Philistines drew near to battle against Israel. But the Lord thundered with a loud thunder upon the Philistines that day, and so confused them that they were overcome before Israel. I feel like reading. And the men of Israel went out of Mizbah and pursued the Philistines and drove them back as far as Bethkar. Then Samuel took a stone and set it up between Mizbah and Shen and called the name, what? We just sang about it saying, thus far, the Lord has done what? Helped us. 
So the Philistines were subdued and they did not come anymore into the territory of Israel. And the hand of the Lord was against the Philistines all the days of Samuel. And then the cities which the Philistines had taken from Israel were restored to Israel from Ekron to Gath. And Israel recovered its territories from the hands of the Philistines. Also, there was peace between Israel and the Amorites. Hmm. And Samuel judged Israel all the days of his life. He went from year to year on a circuit, circuit preacher, to Bethel, Gilgal, Mizpah, and judged all Israel in those days, in those places. But he also returned to Ramah, for his home was in Ramah. And there he judged Israel, and there he built an altar to the Lord. Okay, so stop right there. Give me your attention. If you were with us, uh, not last week, but the week prior, you know we were in chapter 6, and the ark of God was captured by the Philistines, you know that, and taken from Ebenezer to Ashdod. The Lord brought judgment on the five Philistine cities, Ekron, Ashdod, Gaza, Escalon, and Gath. God smote them with plagues because of the plagues they finally decided to send the ark back. Brings us to chapter 6. They put the ark of God on a cart, remember, with five golden tumors and five golden rats. And I told you that was some ugly bling bling. Remember that? I don't know why I remember that, but I do. And they hitched the ark to a cart with the cows and they sent it away. And the Bible says that the cows went straight toward Israel, Beth Shemesh. The people of Beth Shemesh will go there actually when we go to Israel. The people of Beth Shemesh was out reaping their harvest. They looked up to see the ark coming and they see the cows and no driver and the ark on the back of the cart and they are happy and they rejoice. Keep in mind, they hadn't seen the ark for seven months. When the ark came home, they were overly curious, remember? And they opened the lid and many died as, as a result of being overly curious. Not sure why they died, although I must admit I had, hadn't stopped thinking about uh, Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom since uh, last time I taught that text. It's been in my head for two weeks now. And uh, so notice in verse 1 of chapter 7, the men of Kirjath-Jerim, or Kiriath, some people pronounce it, Jerim, came uh, to get the Ark of God and bring it to the house of Abinadad who lived on the hill. And it's interesting scene, as I told you the last time we were closing that sermon, I told you that uh, that would be an interesting scene, that Abinadad hears a knock on the door, there are some guys standing there with the Ark of the Covenant, and they say, hey, can we store this in your garage? And, um, and they say, by the way, don't look in it, uh, because if you do, there'll be problems. And, and then they said, where's your son? And we're going to sanctify him and take care of this thing. And we want him to take care of it. And the men of Kirjath-Jerim treated the Ark of the Covenant with respect. And they treated the Ark with honor, but they didn't take it to the tabernacle. Instead of the Ark resting in the Holy of Holies in the house of God, it's resting in the house of Abinadad. Notice the Bible tells us, I want you to go ahead and look at verse 1, if you will. The Bible tells us that it was there for 20 long years. And that's a, there's a lot of discussion about this 20 years. Uh, there's differing opinions as to what the 20 years actually refers to. But you know I'm a context, context, context guy, and I believe in context. The 20 years is a reference to Samuel. Uh, it was there 20 years, and then Samuel begins his public ministry. 
Also, we know from Second uh, Samuel chapter 6, and you can look this up in your own time, in First Chronicles chapter 13, that it was David who brought the ark back to Jerusalem. So the ark remained in Kiriath-Jerim through the reign of Samuel and Saul, and then returned under the reign of David. Remember I told you that the ark represents the visible presence of God, yes? So in our text, the ark of God was back in the presence of Israel. The ark had returned to Israel, but Israel had not returned to the Lord. Just because the ark is in your presence doesn't mean you're submitted and in the presence of the ark. Interesting. In our text, Israel was under Philistine oppression for 20 years after the ark was brought to kirjath Jerim. I want you to also notice in verses 2 and 3, and perhaps in your margin you want to write this, Uh, Between verses 2 and 3 is approximately 20 years has gone by. Between verses 2 and 3, Samuel is back on the scene. Now, I don't even know if you noticed, but Samuel has not been on the scene since chapter 4. Did you notice that? There's been no mention of Samuel. The last time we saw Samuel, actually, he was in his Shiloh. He was in Shiloh ministering in the temple. And, and you know, Samuel, Samuel, speak, Lord, your servant hears. Uh, Flavius Josephus tells us that Samuel was about 12 years old at the time in the temple. And many scholars say that Samuel was around 9 or 10. Most scholars say he was around 9 or 10 when he said, speak, Lord, speak, Lord, your servant hears. So Samuel wasn't around during the whole ark fiasco. When the ark was captured by the Philistines and sent to Ashdod, Samuel was nowhere to be found, probably because he knew it wasn't of God. So 20 years later, Samuel's around 30, 32, 33, somewhere around there. He's a man. Eli is dead. Hophni and Phinehas are dead. And now Israel recognizes Samuel as the prophet and the judge, the man that God uses. Notice in verse 2, it tells us, all the house of Israel lamented after the Lord. Now quickly, remember I told you, were you here for our study in Judges? Just for our study in Judges. That might not be many of you. Okay, in our study in Judges, I told you that... And then Samuel backdrop, just down, just a hair, not, not a lot, just a hair. I told you that the backdrop of Samuel and the backdrop of Judges is a time in which everyone was doing what was right in their own eyes. I also told you that in the book of Judges, now listen, I want you to stay with me. I, I also told you in the book of Judges that there were seven cycles of sin. Remember? I told you that there were seven rotations of sin. And I was talking about the sin cycle. And I was telling you about the spin cycle on the washing machine. And I was also telling you, which was a shocker to the whole church, that I have never washed clothes. I mean, not that I don't wear washed clothes. I personally have never washed clothes. I do not even to this day know how to use a washing machine. I don't. I, re- I never wash clothes. I Actually, in Judges, when I first thought about it, but I, in my whole, 52 years, I'm, I don't ever think I've ever turned on the spin cycle. I don't think I've ever washed clothes ever. Even in the military, I'd have somebody wash them for me. In Japan, I had a mama-san. And a mama-san, she'd just wash all your clothes and buff your boots and 
do all your stuff and you pay her or all that. So I've never washed clothes even a day. I mean, my wife will tell you I, I don't wash clothes. And, and, and I love it because my wife is a wash clothes fanatic. I mean, she loves, wa- I mean, you don't even have to wear it. Just look at it and she'll put it in the washer. You don't even have to wear it. She be taking stuff off of you. Give me that. I'm like, and she like that? She is like a nut. I'm like, I put the thing on. I've only had it on for 31 days. It's still clean. <laughs> but I've never really washed clothes. But I was telling you about the Israel, the sin cycle. And I told you, here's where you want to take notes. I told you that there were seven of them. And here's how the cycle goes. The people are devoted to God. They delve into sin and become decadent. They are defeated. They all start with D. They are defeated by their enemies. They deplore their situation and repent. They are delivered by the judges. And the cycle repeats. Write it down. Devoted. Delve. Defeated. Deplore. Deliver. And the cycle continues. Devoted. Delve slash decadent, defeated, deplore, delivered. And the cycle continues. The people are devoted. They delve and become decadent. They're defeated by their enemies. They deplore their situation. They're delivered because God sends a savior or a judge. And, And over and over, and that happens seven times. Well, here in Samuel, the people have made a rotation through that sin cycle. And now they lament before God and they deplore their situation. Notice in verse three, it tells us that Samuel spoke to all the house of Israel saying, if you return, look at verse 3, if you return to the Lord with half your heart, what does it say? All your heart. Then put away the foreign gods and prepare your heart and serve God mostly. Only. God will deliver you from the hand of the Philistines. Somebody once said, true lamentation will always bring reformation. True lamentation will always bring reformation. Component number one, if you want true revival, you got to clean up. Keep in mind, Samuel is a prophet and a godly, saintly character. Samuel changes the course of the entire nation, but he's not like Elijah calling down fire from heaven. And he's not like Isaiah giving us prophetic things relative to the future. And he's not doing miracles like Elisha. Samuel is a man who stands before God and prays and prophesies. And he says, if you really want victory over your enemies, then clean up your heart. Truly repent. Listen, if you're struggling with something here, is the pathway to victory. If you are struggling with something, here is, it doesn't matter. Gavin, this is a freebie for you for Beyond Addiction. If you're struggling with something, here's the pathway to victory. Verse 3, return to the Lord with all your heart. Listen, if you return with all your heart, no other gods can have any of your heart. Get rid of anything that rises up against your commitment to Christ. Are you listening? You got to make up your mind that nothing's going to get in the way of your commitment to Christ. It's the only way to be, be a Christian and, and, and make it the long haul and, 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 and succeed as a Christian and be strong as a Christian. You've got to make up in your mind and nothing's going to get away in the, in, in the middle of your commitment to Christ. 
Nothing rises up against your commitment. Put a filter on that computer. Cancel the Sports Illustrated magazine. Get rid of the apps. Fire the secretary. If she's too fine, she got to go. Hallelujah. Say amen. Sorry, sweetie. You got to go. You look too nice. I got fired because I was too pretty. That's right. Let the lady say amen. I'm just trying to help you. That's all. I'm trying to help you. Nothing should rise up against your commitment to Christ. Samuel is calling for absolute undivided loyalty and devotion to God. Return with all your hearts. Everything must change. Don't hold on to secret sins. Turn with all your heart. If you return with all your heart, then everybody will know it because the outward things will change. You'll put away the foreign gods and the Ashereths and the Baals in verse 4. They put away Baal. Baal was a major male Canaanite deity. Baal was the god of the intellect and the god of prosperity. He was the god who would bring them success and material gain. They would have put away Baal. Not only Baal, but they needed to put away the the Ashereth. She was the oldest and the wisest female goddess. Ashereth was worshipped in every culture in the ancient world. She was known as Ashtart in the Greek culture. Ashtar in the Babylonian culture, Venus in the Roman culture. She was the goddess of sexuality and pleasure. Today, she's a perfect picture of pornography, which plagues people in the world and in the church. The Bible has a lot to say about idol worship, and it's all bad. Don't do it. God doesn't tell us not to do it because God's a cosmic killjoy. Say amen. Amen. God tells us not to worship idols because he knows what idol worship will do to you. The gods of this world will draw you away from the true and the living God and draw you into sin. And the thing that you said you would never do, you will do. Somebody need to say amen. And one thing that's true about sin, it doesn't want to let you go. I say it all the time, don't I? Sin will take you further than you want to go. You'll pay more than you want to pay. And you'll stay Longer than you want to stay. You know that. Because sin entangles. Worship of false gods will snare you and entangle you. God says if you serve false gods, you will also become like them. What are you talking about, Pastor? Psalm 115, verses 2 through 8. I have it for you on the screen. Why should the Gentiles say, so where is their God? But our God is where, saints? In heaven. And he what? Does whatever he pleases. That's the definition of sovereignty. He does whatever he pleases. Their idols are silver and gold, the work of men's hands. They have mouths, but they don't speak. Eyes they have, but they don't see. They've got ears, but they don't hear. Noses they have, but they can't smell. They have hands, but they do not handle. And feet they have, but they do not walk. Nor do they mutter through their throat. And those who make them are like them. So is everyone who trusts in them. It's as simple as this. You will become like the thing you worship. I've said that a thousand times, haven't I? If you worship Jesus, you'll become like Jesus. Somebody need to be listening. If you worship Jesus, you'll become like Jesus. If you worship Britney Spears, you'll become crazy like with Britney Spears. Say amen. You worship Justin Bieber, you're going to become like Justin Bieber. Look, just because I'm a pastor don't mean my head's in the sand. I, I know who's out there. 
Some of y'all like Justin Bieber. I don't even know who he is. Who is he? Hmm. You worship Jay-Z, you're going to become like Jay-Z. Who's somebody else? (laughs) Whoever they are, you're going to become like them. If you worship your animal, you're going to start looking like your animal. (laughs) We've seen that. Have you seen those like one show? You said like one picture they have like people like look look like they're animals or whatever. And so they show this one lady and she 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 had a poodle. And and she looked like a poodle. She really did. She had her hair cut like a poodle. It was kind of crazy. And um you know if you're focusing on Jesus, you worship Jesus, you start looking like Jesus. And get this. You even start smelling like Jesus. What are you talking about, Willis? You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch in Calvary Chapel, Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccary.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light.